David called out to God in Psalm 51 and repented, asked God to forgive him and wash him and clean him and make his white as snow. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the saving grace of God, the cleaneth up. The sermon this morning is titled Bagogi and the Bible. Bagogi. Some of you may know what Bagogi is. Some of you may not know. I'll explain it in a little more detail in a moment, but it is a Korean dish. It'll make sense in just a moment, but Bagogi and the Bible. I'm going to begin by reading from Psalms 119. Psalms 119, the choir just sang about washed and cleaned. and Listen to what Psalms 119.9 says. How can a young man cleanse his way? You could have said a young woman. It implies an older person or younger person, but in the text it says, how can a young man cleanse his way? He asks a question, then he answers it. The psalmist does, says, by taking heed according to your word. That's how someone can be clean. By taking heed, the heed part is very important. By taking heed to what the word of God says, a person can become clean. Well, that's why that song means so much. God can clean us up. Isaiah said, who hath believed our report? We have. We've believed what it said. We've believed what the word said, and we therefore are clean because of that, because we've received that grace and that forgiveness. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. Another verse out of Psalms 119 is verse 105. We just sang about it. Amy Grant made that popular years ago. They put it in the United Methodist hymnal. Uh, it comes from Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and it, it is a light to my path and so we we understand that we get the visual of that we know that the word of God has so many times made a lamp for our way and, and, and a light unto our path and given us direction and focus God's word is very powerful not only can it clean you but it can guide you if you heed it a lot of people don't heed the word but in Psalms 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible, it's 176 verses. I want to encourage you to read it, maybe this afternoon, tonight, or next day or two, just to read Psalms 119. Because if you want to find out what the Bible says about itself, what the Bible says about the Bible, read 119. It just speaks about itself. Now, it is written as a poem, an acrostic poem. Acrostic poem means, a good example, if I could put the word grace, G-R-A-C-E, and I gave you a definition of grace by using the first letter of the word grace. We do that all the time. In this case, the psalmist wrote 176 verses. There are 22 stanzas in Psalms 119. The alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, the 22 letters begin. In fact, in my Bible, it will show that Hebrew word. Some of your translations may do that as well. And so he really wrote it not only to, to learn the alphabet, but it was easy for memorization. And so 22 stanzas, there are eight verses in each stanza. So I want to encourage you to read it. What I did a couple of weeks ago was I just circled one of those eight verses as I read those 22 stanzas so I ended up with 22 scriptures at the end of it you might do something like that 
one of them that stood out to me was the one that says that God's word is able to clean somebody, cleanse them up, if they take heed to the word. I encourage you to do that. Another thing in Psalms 119, there are eight words for the word. Eight words that give us understanding about the Bible. The eight words are, as you read along in these 22 stanzas, you'll be reading and you'll see the word law, the word testimony, the word way, precepts, statutes, his judgments, his commandments, and then the word word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Those eight words are just mingled all in those 22 stanzas. But when you get through reading it, you'll see what the Bible says about the Bible. There's a couple other places in the New Testament that do the same thing. One I emphasized in Wednesday Bible study this past week was Hebrews, the fourth chapter. It says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharp. It's able to cut inside and go into the human soul. That's pretty powerful. It has the ability, it says in Hebrews 4, to be a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Powerful. Not only can it clean you, not only can it be a light to your path, it can literally go inside and, and bring conviction and bring comfort. That's the way I like to look at that double-edged sword. Because sometimes you do read God's Word and, and it cuts and it convicts you. But praise God, because of that we can sing songs that I'm whiter than snow. But it also has the ability to comfort us. How many times have you read God's word and you're discouraged about something, there's darkness around you, and you read scripture and light begins to come. And there's a cleansing and there's a comfort that comes. That's how powerful God's word is. In the book of Ezra, in the Old Testament, in the book of Nehemiah, originally these two books were, were kind of compiled together. Because these two were around at the same time, Ezra and Nehemiah. Now I'm fixing to quote something that Ezra did, but it's found in Nehemiah 8 and Nehemiah the ninth chapter. They had been in exile. They're coming back. They're rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah's all about rebuilding the wall and encouraging the people. And they're building the temple back. And they're doing all this work. And, and so Nehemiah is kind of like the head trustee of the church. And he's in getting everybody in and let's construct, let's build, let's do this. And then Ezra is the high priest. Well, there's a point when they decide it's time to get out the law of Moses because the people coming back to the temple. So they came in an area called the Watergate. They built a huge stand up so his voice would carry. And Ezra and Nehemiah planned a day where they invited all the people to come because Ezra, the high priest, was going to read the Bible as they knew it in that day and time. They didn't have a pocket edition like it's up here on the pulpit. They didn't have any. So he rolled open the scroll more like than I'm about to do with the Bible. But in Ezra, it says that Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people. Many of the leaders are standing around Ezra. He opens up the book in the sight of all the people. And when he opened it, they all stood up. They just stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord as he watched them stand up as he opened the law. He blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all of the people answered, Amen, Amen. And while lifting up their hands, and, and then they bowed their heads, and then they worshiped the Lord, and they put their faces down to the ground. Ezra just standing up there with a scroll opened up. It tells us later on in, in one place in chapter 8 that 
be about six hours. Now, I don't know if they stood the whole time, but it indicates that they stood the entire time as he read. He read another time on the 24th day of a particular month. And it says in verse 9, For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Let me ask you to do something. If you're able to stand, if you're not able to stand, then just sit there and maybe place your hands out in front of you as a way to receive God's word. But what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to open up the Bible. And that's going to be your cue to stand up. Okay, will you just do that with me? Just as out of reverence and awe of God's word. And I'm going to quote the words of grace that I quoted earlier that Jesus quoted in Matthew 4.4. 4. But you need to know that Jesus quoted three scriptures in Matthew, the fourth chapter. And all of them he quoted were out of the book of Deuteronomy, the law of Moses. When Satan came against Jesus in Matthew, the fourth chapter, he quoted scripture. Why did Jesus do that? So when I open the Bible in just a moment, I want to ask you to stand. Will you do that? Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, as he quoted from Deuteronomy, for man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well enough, aren't we? We need food every day, and we're going to go eat in a little while. But man cannot live by bread alone, but by what God you and I are redeemed and saved and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ because we believe what the Word says. Very powerful. You may be seated. The other two that Jesus quoted that do not tempt the Lord thy God and the other one was the last one when he, Satan came against him. It says in Matthew 4.10 that Jesus looked at Satan and said, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written that you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I've memorized those two. Because I figure if the Son of God knew them, maybe I need to know those verses too. He did it but to remind us of how powerful the Word is. Of course, He is the Word. John tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us that we might know the Father. So when we quote the Word of God, we just quote Jesus. It can cleanse you. It has the power and ability to be light to us. It has the power to guide us. Sharper than any two-edged sword. With that said, and you're standing, let me ask you, how do, how do we respond to God's Word? Tyler's sermon last week, as I listened to it, reminded us of the Holy Spirit that draws us to the Word of God. That's why we hunger for it. That's why when we've been away for a season, maybe and hadn't read, you want to go back and read that, or, or when you feel convicted over something, why do you go to the Bible and read, but if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Forgive us and to purify us of all of our unrighteousness. Because we know what the Word says. We know He'll forgive us. Why do we go to the Word of God when we find darkness in our lives and we want light? We go to the Word. And how many of us, not only like the people of Nehemiah's day, but how many times have you gone to the Bible and you read something and fear ran in? You don't have to jump up and testify, but I'm just saying it's happened probably to every one of us in here that know Jesus. There's a time when you read it, and it, it even touches your emotions because it has that much power to come into you. It cleanses you. It's like a light to us. When I attended Asbury Seminary, and I think I've shared part of this with y'all, I roomed with a Nazarene preacher 
from South Korea for two semesters, Hung Kiyong. I spent time and I spent meals with several of the international students, both from Asbury College as well as Asbury Seminary. And so because we roomed together, I ate a lot of Korean, South Korean food. And we would have the international students over. One in particular was from Afghanistan. I roomed with him one semester. His name was Samuel Naman. Samuel will oftentimes come and eat with us because he knew a lot of South Korean. He could speak the language. Im Yang I learned enough words to get me in trouble, but that was about it. All I said, I didn't use any cuss words. That was, that was how are you doing? And chamakasamda means good, very good, very delicious. And so the commonality, though, that we had, and by the way, Samuel Nauman's brother had been killed in Afghanistan for being a Christian. The Muslims had killed him. And so Samuel fled, and he found himself in South Korea. And so he trained in seminary and all in South Korea, but was coming back to get another degree at Asbury. And God put us together. And so there was a commonality, though, between Samuel Naaman and Kiyang. Kiyang said, I never could say his name right. I was too southern. He would try to go, no, Hung Kiyang. Say it right, Pastor. Hung Kiyang. The other thing he always wanted me to do was drink ginseng tea. Harvey, you drink ginseng. Make you smart like me. We were close enough, we would talk about anything and everything, but a lot of it revolved around the Bible. So we had bagogi. Bagogi, bagogi, if you hadn't eaten it, is just uh, steak meat cut up, green onions, cayenne pepper. You can put uh, uh, carrots in there. There's two or three restaurants around here that sell bagogi. Asahi is now back under another manager, and I won't go into all that. But anyway, you can get bagogi now in two or three places. And kimchi. Kimchi is fermented cabbage, good stuff. Put a lot of cayenne pepper on it. It's good. I went into a restaurant the other day. I know this lady. She's from South Korea. And she, I went in here at the restaurant. And she, Moksanim, Moksanim, you come in. Moksanim means pastor. So I sat down and she said, we no sell kimchi here. But I have some in back. You no tell nobody. I bring you some. So I had kimchi a few weeks ago at a Chinese restaurant. We talked about the Bible. with Jesus Christ. It was an instant bonding. I teased Ki Young one day. I said, do you really eat dog in Korea? And we were that close. And I, he said, well, yes, but it's not like you Americans think that we're always just eating our pets every day that we eat. But he said, yes, they actually do. They still do. It's not that common today, but they still do a little bit. So we had just had that conversation the night before. We're walking to class the next morning. There is the big, plump, little uh, collie dog running down the street. No, Ki Young said, Come here, come here. Very plump, very delicious, Harvey. Bagogi and the Bible. I set all that to set it up, this up, to say that in the early 1900s, there were only about 1% of Christians in South Korea. But as missionaries began to come and bring the Word of God, and even the Korean War, more missionaries came. This great revival began to break out, and still is, in South Korea such that today there are more Christians it's, it's exceeded Buddhists which was the number one religion in the world but now now it's Christian there's many many Christian believers 
in South Korea. In fact, Tyler and the Philippines, when they went on the Philippine trip, they flew into Seoul, Korea. You can freely go into Seoul, Korea. You could free, freely bring your Bible into Seoul, Korea. You can't do that in North Korea unless you go with Dennis Rodman. Y'all think about that a minute. Why Dennis Rodman gets to go to North I don't know. But there's no Christians that you cannot bring the Word of God into North Korea. The, just separating these, these group of people to the demilitarized zone, which is one of the heaviest guarded borders in all of the world, separating North Korea and South Korea. And this is just my simple mind. Is it, is it possible that the difference was just simply that people began to believe the Word of God so that now in South Korea there's freedom to love people and to care about people and freedom around the world, but you cannot open a Bible in North Korea. Again, my simple mind observation is, is that that's the difference of why there's so much darkness and oppression in North Korea is that they don't have light of the Word of God. Psalms 119.9 says it's able to clean you. 105 says it can be a light and a lamp to us. George Mueller said these words. He said that the vigor, the vigor, V-I-G-O-R, the vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our lives and in our thoughts. The Bible can do that for us. It makes that kind of a difference to us. Tomorrow there's going to be a solar eclipse. It's everywhere in the news. Some of you have got special glasses or perhaps you don't. Maybe you got a t-shirt. Sheila Freeman, our children director, she sent me a, the staff a note saying that her daughter Ashley, and many of you know, Ashley lives in the small town of Carbondale, Illinois, southern Illinois, population 25,900. Where she lives in Carbondale is supposed to be the point on the center line of the eclipse where the darkness will last the longest, somewhere around 2 minutes and 41 seconds, the longest. They are expecting 300,000 to 400,000 people to come on the city of Carbondale to witness the eclipse. Everybody's gone wild about it. With that in mind, with the craze of the eclipse on our minds and thoughts, I want to ask you a spiritual question. Is it possible for us to allow or cause an eclipse of the Word of God to occur in our own spiritual life? Can, can we as a nation or as a people, can we disrespect the word of God to the point that it really has no meaning? Can we accept the darkness that, that creeps in slowly just like the eclipse will tomorrow? The world of sin that it leads to, to the point of accepting darkness as the norm. I'll just go ahead and confess to you, I know in my walk with the Lord, I've had times where I did not have as great a respect perhaps for the Word of God as I should. I didn't take heed. But I'm going to say that's true with all of us. But I'm going to say it is possible that the Word of God can not be as important to us as it needs to be. So tomorrow during the eclipse, I know we'll probably at least look out the window and see how dark it's getting. But I want to use that as an analogy in closing that as you begin to experience the effects of the eclipse tomorrow, as you see darkness begin to occur, certainly pray for our nation as we continue to see darkness come. But I think a part of it is a lack of respect for the light. 
Think about how spiritual darkness can infiltrate our own lives. And I'm confessing, me too. It can cover our lives. But as the light begins to come back tomorrow, I hope maybe you'll remember the sermon that thank God we do have his light. And that even though we may have times of darkness or oppression in our life, the light is brighter and brighter and manifesting right in front of us. And his light has the ability to be a lamp unto our feet. It has the ability to cleanse us. It has the ability to redeem us and restore us in right relationship with God. That's the power of the word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you today and praise you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Let us see in our mind the people standing just to get to hear the law of Moses again. Lord, forgive me when I take your word for granted. Help us to be reminded today that it is a lamp and it is a light. And I stand in need and I must heed what he says. God, I pray for anyone here today that perhaps they don't know the Lord and perhaps they could believe your word that says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Just by believing that word, mingling faith and a person can be saved. God, speak to us right now as your word only can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing the closing hymn. This altar is always open if you have any need. What number? 338, hymn number 338, let's stand together and sing.